What's up, guys? I'm Tyler Hosley, and this week I bought a new pair of shoes that wasn't a pair of Vans, guys. Can you believe it? Like, I'm fucking shocked what? right now. Are they Chucks? They are. Black and white. I bought a new <laughs> oh, pair of black and white Chucks. Nice. I'm Kevin Matthews, Scottish film fan living in England, and this week while we record the podcast, I already know my choice for next week, and I'm sitting here looking smugly at it sitting on my shelf knowing there could be a sweep a sweep i'm dave gray and i know kevin won't get his sweep because he's picking with tyler now <laughs> and this is raiders of the podcast hey. hey um you know i had a, a pretty light week because i've i've just uh, i've hard so hard that i needed a time out and i watched a korean revenge series or two but i'm not i'm not gonna talk about those although we did enjoy uh inspector coup and the japanese burning down the house i know i probably shouldn't say that title as melodic as i just did but i can't help it because you know i'm burning down the house and this week uh for bonus stuff i watched an all-time favorite of mine i watched house also known as hazu from japan which is basically scooby-doo meets um Dario Argento, no, I guess more Bava. Scooby-Doo meets Dario Argento and Bava's bastard love child and a vampire, and I love it. It's wonderful. Everyone should go see it three, four times. I also watched uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is, like, really ambitious. It's, you know, it's good stuff if you want a coming-of-age horror film. Not usually much for coming-of-age, but I figured, you know, why the fudge not? And then I... uh, video roulette my way to baba yaga which is a 1970s uh italian movie uh based on a fumetto or fumetti which is a italian comic books called uh valentina by guido crepex uh valentina is one of the best most underappreciated comics ever made uh and it will always be underappreciated because it is it is ridiculously pornographic. <laughs> um, Krepex's illustration work is is some of the finest ever in the medium, and like the the series is very groundbreaking. But the movie, which is about uh, I think the second or third, <coughs> excuse me, second or third um, story arc in the thirty year run of the the comic, is um, about a witch. Who sets her sights on Valentina, and it's um, I'm not gonna say it's great, but it's really interesting. But I also wouldn't like recommend it to everyone. I, I recommend it to like Kevin, and I recommend it to Tyler, and like there's a few people I would recommend it to. Uh, even though I think some of them will hate it, they'll at least talk about it, and that's that's it. It's an interesting film to discuss. But uh, you know, as far as I know, I'm I'm the only person that I know I've that's seen it, so I can't talk about it. I'm so lonely. Do you recall if I mentioned Night of the Hunted last week? I do not I remember. I can't remember what night we recorded and what night I watched this. Uh, in case I didn't. Watch Night of the Hunted. It was between that and the Tower on Shudder. I know um Craig mentioned this on messenger and i went for night of the hunted and it was described as a young woman 
ends up at a gas station where she is pinned down by a sniper. So I'm thinking that's fine. It's a director who'd made a P2 and also the remake of Maniac, Frank Calhoun, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a remake of a Spanish horror movie. And I just thought this, this could be a good time. It is not a good time. And it really, it really should have been. This young woman, Alice, played by Camille Rowe, uh, there's a walkie-talkie in the gas station. So, you know, eventually the sniper can talk to her through it. And he just keeps ranting in a way that is crushingly, well, dull and lacking nuance. Like he's a proper... Uh, everything you'd expect from someone with a sniper gun and a MAGA hat. And that's what they do. And I watched this film thinking, well, if they put in a twist or if it's about, you know, maybe this person's actually playing up a persona to then prove that they're not all that, this could be interesting. The film never does anything interesting. Uh, Also has to have the young woman as a flawed character, obviously, because then she can be in more peril and uh, the sniper can think she's more deserving of her position. It's it's really bad. It's grossly mishandled stuff when it could have been a nice, tense little thriller. You you could have watched Tazu and you would have liked yourself more. We've watched Tazu... A number of times, uh, once at your behest. So <laughs> I just, I just didn't do that. Um, but it would have been better than that. I rewatched Blue Steel, which I hadn't seen for many years, and I'm convinced that cinema is not as good as it once was because we don't have a modern day equivalent to Ron Silver. That is a statement I, I think I could, I could stand by quite happily uh, Blue Steel's really good thriller from Catherine Bigelow Jamie Lee Curtis is you know quite a new cop and um, at the scene of a crime she shoots an armed robber his uh, weapon disappears from the scene so she is in trouble for that but it has been whisked away by a slick stockbroker guy who was there scared and on the floor that is Ron Silver he is obsessed with a gun He is quite obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis, but not really because she's Jamie Lee Curtis, because she's Jamie Lee Curtis that he has seen holding a gun. Uh, I mean, let's let's be fair. That's kind of sexy. (laughs) I mean, that's just like the Borderlands movie is going to be pure porn to some people because of that. But I like the fact that Bigelow, you know, does this. This could have been, you know, she could have focused more on some uh, action beats. There's, there's very paint-by-numbers uh, sort of late 80s, early 90s thriller uh, moments in this, because it is a 1990 movie, but um, it's all about the gun and and whether a gun is present or absent kind of uh, dictates every scene and how it goes and I really I really like that. Um, it's, it's a clever way to do it. So yeah, I appreciate it. It holds up well. Late to the party, as usual, uh, we we went along to see Saw 10, Saw X. You saw this already, didn't you, T? 
Uh, I have not. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought you had. Um, I thought it was okay. So Kevin Seven, it's hampered by the fact that obviously you know how things are going to play out, and they are making uh, Jigsaw sort of an anti-hero with the word hero in capital letters because they're our worst baddies. I'm slightly disturbed at uh, the fact that we then left the cinema and Vicky said to me, well, that was a bit tame, wasn't it? And I turned to her and I said, well, a man got his eyeball sucked out in one device and someone had to chop through their own leg with a wire. And she shrugged and went, yeah, it's a bit tame, though. Yeah, that's, that's pretty tame, though. Well, I'm just... I mean, I need, like, rib cages ripped open and... John not to come back from the dead a fourth time and someone's intestines are used as a makeshift rope at one point. Yeah, but is that makeshift rope used to hang someone else? <laughs> no? Uh, well then fuck you. Consider yourselves warned if I'm just very quiet one week and can't make it to the podcast forever. That's all. Um because Vicky has said before or I'll plant endangered flowers on top and then they can't dig up the soil. So that's... Mm, smart. Bye, that's Kevin. That's a shadow I live under. Uh, two to go. Oh, sorry, three to go. I forgot one. Uh, frogs. Why did I watch Frogs? Why? Uh, doesn't, doesn't it have uh, Paul Williams in it? I... Don't think so. I can't oh. recall poems yet, but I was distracted by Sam Elliott not having a moustache. Um, so that's, you know, not to say he's not there in some form. Uh, Ray Milland is in there. David Gilliam, uh, I, I think it's how you pronounce his surname. He looked slightly uh, Paul Williamsy, maybe, on occasion. I don't think it's as a minute. Or are you making a joke about him singing with Kermit? I. Uh- no, I was I was actually making a a reference to a movie called Frogs that he is in. Oh right, um, this is a '72 movie with the catch uh, the tagline "Today the pop, tomorrow the world." Uh, it's it's really bad. Like, it's it's bad. It's dull. Most of the action isn't frog centric, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. But there's spiders and snakes and stuff as well, and. Like, I would genuinely recommend people watch something like Night of the Leapers before this, because at least that's funny, because it's so ridiculous. Whereas, whereas Frogs is just dull. Uh, don't sorry? Know, real quick. I was making reference to the 1991 television movie Frogs, which starred uh, Paul Williams. It was a sequel to Frog. Starring Paul Williams from 1987. Is it, is it another film based on the premise of frogs running amok? Yeah, I mean, a frog does run amok, but it's more of a, uh, well, you know, the frog prince spin. All right, okay. Paul Williams is a frog who crashes the life of Scott Grimes and Shelley Duvall and Elliot Gould, which is like two thirds of the best. TV family ever. Yeah, that sounds way better than the Frogs film that I watched. Um, I finally completed my viewing of the uh, original series of Psycho movies. I watched Psycho 4 the beginning. 
It is hampered by being a TV movie. I thought it was quite flat. McGarris directs quite flat. Uh, the script by Joseph Stefano is, uh, you know, a bit... It's disappointing in terms of... Well, in comparison to the others, because I think although the series has diminishing returns, I still love part two. And I think I like three more than I used to because it's a you know standard slasher movie thrills. This this almost sidelines uh you know Anthony Perkins in a film that should be his sort of uh should have him in the spotlight, but it's a lot of backstory. You get Henry Thomas playing young Norman, Olivia Hussey his mother. But I did appreciate that um it does give you a kind of I think a satisfying conclusion to a journey that you've gone on with that character through the movies. Um, because, you know, there's always something slightly appealing about Norman Bates once you got past the, the end of the first Psycho movie. And uh, I, I don't know, it's just, there was always something a bit sympathetic with him. And then, obviously, as the movies go on, he's at times seeming very much like the the best of a bad bunch with everyone they put around them. So I liked it. And uh, last but not least, I'm uh, even later to the part of this, I finally watched all of The Haunting of Hill House, the 2018 uh, Mike Flanagan show. I really enjoyed it. I I just I just thought it was really good. I think it was a, a good way to work that material and um and work other stuff through it. I did think, you know, it went a step too far with the very, very end and a bit of a cutesy turn of the uh of the sort of original text, as it were. Everything but in overall, it is disgustingly cutesy. <laughs> Overall, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it, and I, I liked the the family dynamic, and I liked a lot of the uh, the various spirits. Now I'm going to get to Bly Manor at some point, and I'll probably see uh, House of Usher by about 2025. Oh, that's good. I'm on schedule for that. Yay! And then he'll have eight new shows on uh, Prime to watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did did you hate the haunting of Hill House, Steve? I I did. I was not a fan of it, but I know a lot of other people were, and that's fine. I just I didn't buy the family didn't dynamic. I hated that Dad had all the answers, and all he had to do was tell his his little bitch kids to shut the fuck up, <laughs> and he didn't. I hated its handling of uh, addicts. Uh, I just I don't care for Flanagan stuff, and I know I'm in the minority there. A lot of people love it, but I've heavily hated everything he's made. And I hate his, I think his wife is a terrible actress. She is Sherry Moon Zombie for snobs. Like, yeah, full she, she's, she, in she's in everything. She's not Brian. good in any of it. Uh, I mean, like, you know, most of her roles aren't as fucking insulting and ableist as it was in, uh, what was the one where she played a deaf woman? Hush. Hush. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Fuck, and seriously, at least learn fucking ASL. Someone Just, uh, someone oh. said to me today or yesterday, you know, I think maybe the difference is that uh, she's done stuff that wasn't directed by him, unlike Sherry Moon Zombie. 
And then I was like, well, Sherry Moon Zombie was in the Toolbox Murders remake, so... I mean, she might have been in other stuff as well, I don't know, but she's done at least something. Yeah, she was uh, in a Californication, directed by David Duchovny. I mean, All right. it's about the same amount of things. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's, you know. Yeah, but for some reason, people uh, don't make all the jokes and memes about Seagull, whereas uh, they do with Sherman Zomi. I think, on behalf of Tyler, we can all just agree that it's because Sherman Zombie is just more iconic. There you go, T. Yep. Agreed. Uh, that's me anyway. Uh, speaking of Sherry Moon Zombie, uh, I actually uh, guest hosted on a podcast last week. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Eric Peacock's podcast, the Soundtracker podcast. Uh, hey, my- Eric. Nice. Awesome, awesome, awesome dude. Uh, old school IMDb horror board alumni right there. Um, but yeah, I guest hosted on his show last week. We talked to Lords of Salem. Um, it was a total blast, and if you love movies and love movie soundtracks, check it out. He puts out a great fucking show, and uh, yeah, check it out. And he's still cleaning Tyler Jizz out of his phones. He is. <laughs> All that Lords of Salem fan jizz just everywhere, just dripping. Um, besides that, uh, this week I watched a remake I loved for the show, and I followed that up with a remake I fucking hated quite a bit, actually, uh, Jacob's Ladder. Uh, that movie is awful. Michael Ely is fine in the role. I mean, he gives a perfectly fine performance in a really toned-down shit version of the original Jacob's Ladder, which is an amazing film. The original Jacob's Ladder is amazing, and it has a good filmmaker behind it with Adrian Lin. Um, the remake is not, though. It's garbage. It's poorly paced. Visually, it looks like a sci-fi channel original movie. It's really boring. Yeah, just skip it. It's really bad. It's like prom night levels of bad. So, yeah. was not a fan of Jacob's Ladder. Original, masterpiece, remake, crap. But, uh, yeah, just one for me this week. It was a pretty light week. I always forget that there was a, a remake of that. It, I think it was just like straight to video. Or yeah. I, it might have been planned for theatrical, but it was bad. It's like, it's got like the quality of like Stir Up Echoes 2, the Rob Lowe one. That's the kind of quality you get with this movie. It's bad. It's really bad. Oh, that sounds... Anyway, this week we watched the 2003 English-language French horror film Dead End, the 2006 American horror film remake The Hills Have Eyes, and the 2017 American slasher Victor Crowley. Uh, Hey, T? Yes, sir. Would you like to pick a movie and tell us about it? Yeah, I'm going to go with Victor Crowley. Uh, which is about the lone survivor of the 2007 massacre, Andrew Young. Uh, He's forced to return to the Honey Island Swamp after a plane crash, only to find out that murderer Victor Crowley has been resurrected once again. Uh, I think I spoiled my thoughts last week just a little bit, but like I said last week, this is actually my favorite sequel of this series. I know we all have different opinions on what we find funny, uh, but this movie makes me laugh harder than most comedies made in the last few years, especially during the first act before they even get on the plane. Uh, that scene with Andrew doing the signing and the dude walks up and puts his dick on the table and tells him to sign his cock. I fucking died. I think that's hysterical. Um, I really like the characters in this one too. Uh, Laura Ortiz is absolutely adorable. 
Felicia Rose is hilarious. Uh, when she pulls out that mini pharmacy from her purse and starts name dropping like various pain pills and anxiety medicine, that shit cracked me up. Uh, Doofy from Scary Movie is really good here. Uh, it was cool seeing Q from Impractical Jokers, if you know that show. Uh, uh, the kills are all just rehashes from the series, sure, but I enjoyed the gore in this. Uh, Victor Crowley looked good. The makeup was actually really good for Victor Crowley this time around. Um, I like the plane crash setting. Almost all my notes for this series are almost fucking identical. I, not sure if the Hatchet series is made to be watched in a row and reviewed for a podcast, but so are mine. Fun just fun fact. So are mine. I mean, they're almost identical. I almost just stopped taking notes. Like I said, I I don't know if the Hatchet series is made to be watched in a row and then reviewed for a show. But it's a fun horror comedy. Yeah, I I hated this movie. It's it's not funny. The the jokes are just flat and dull, and the cast is is terrible. Uh, Felissa Rose tries, so I'll I'll give her that. Uh, You know, the best the best bit is three seconds of Tony Todd. Uh, there's no gore in this movie. There's no gore in this fucking movie. It's all off screen except like one kill, maybe. No, I'm I'm actually asking. The opening kill was pretty gory. We cuts the girl's legs off and her head and all that shit. Yeah, but it was bad CG. I mean, it was really bad CG. So it doesn't even have the one thing people go to this m- series for. Uh, it was just, this is just the limpest, lamest, least entertaining one in a limp, lame franchise. I get some folks love it. And if you do, that's, you know, that's, that's cool. But this, this movie sucked. I was, I was in pain throughout the whole fucking thing. Uh, I just... I, I just I, I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't get the love for the series. Like I understand in the first one, it's got some elements and it's got the gore. And then in two, they got more gore. I get that. But three, I I don't get this one. I I, I don't get like at, at all. <clears throat> Most of the kills are off screen. Most of the it's just it's just really lame jokes. And those jokes are are often homophobic. You know they they go for a, a transphobia joke twice. They go for I mean it's just ha ha signing a dick ha 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 ha. Oh, because he's he's you know scared of dick because you know homophobia ha 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 ha. Like it would have been funnier if he just fucking signed it. Instead, we have a five minute scene of a guy like calling him a homophobe for not signing his dick, and that's not that's not funny i mean it's funny to tyler it's not funny to me uh which you know that's that's fine if this works for you more power to you this does not work for me at 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 all uh the whole setup is fucking dumb the the reveals towards the end are absolute just trash just the whole movie is filler and what you come to see is the gore and the violence, and it never happens. Like, the most violent scene is a kill that was done in all of them. 
and it was done better in all the others. There's just I I don't I don't know why this movie exists. It's it's like the least earned victory lap I have ever watched. And I've seen all four Angel movies. So, you know, I enjoyed those. I know what I'm talking about. This is not a fan. This is a pass from me. Nope. I am a little angry at Kevin for this month. Well, I mean, we all suffered together. So I think in a way that's a beautiful thing, don't you? If Tyler had suffered, maybe. But instead he <laughs> cackled. I know Tyler was never going to suffer. <laughs> the thing is, I can see I I can see the appeal of, of Hatchet. It was low budget, it was rough around the edges, it led up to, you know, what was for the resources add some good kills at the end. Then two continues the story immediately, gets a better lead actress in place for horror fans, uh, makes more of Tony Todd, does that, has has fun, has a few more gore kills, in my opinion. I can say that as well. And then three, in theory, and are a couple of guest stars in there, uh, another selection of even more bodies to get killed off in the swamp. I can... I can see that. This does feel really pointless. Uh, yeah, it it just doesn't have anything that you've either, you know, you've either seen this in the previous three movies or um, it's just like, it's nothing. There's nothing to it. I agree with Dave, like most of the, the gore although i wasn't sure if i you know my version here in the uk was like massively cut cut to shreds or you know no that's just the movie right um there there are a couple of things i liked um i you know i chuckled as much as tyler did with the guy uh what his dick signed i did think that was quite funny with uh just parry shen being really uncomfortable and then just claiming he just didn't want to touch and sign a dick. Um, yeah, Felisa Rose is good. Uh, Laura Ortiz is is okay in her role, and I did like the way they um, brought about the resurrection of Crowley. It's silly, but at least it was something. It felt like a decent idea amongst all the other dross. Because I think they made this in like 11 days and didn't have many uh, resources. And that's all well and good. But if you're doing that and you want to recreate, say, the the carnage of the previous movies or go out with a bang, then maybe do that. Maybe if you're a low-budget film, don't try and fail to have an extended sequence set on a plane that is clearly just one painted bit of aluminium tubing with people sat in it. Like There were other ways they could have gone to the swamp and still been stuck in the swamp when they got there. Uh, I actually resented the fact that it, it didn't seem to make enough of an effort to overcome 
the limitations. And, you know, I, I just think that's that's making it harder for yourself. What did Adam Green want to have a jokey cameo as a pilot? Is is that it? Like you could have had one of the same end gore gags with uh Victor Crowley's budget was seven million dollars. What are those things that go about the swamp that you saw him going about on Gentle Ben? Not the hovercraft, but you know, the fan blown at the back. Yeah. Like you could you could have done stuff with that that would have been the same as anything with the plane. And I'm not saying uh, seven million is a lot, but it's a lot more mm-hmm. than the first one. Yeah. And if you've got that then like just yeah, if if you've still got a tight schedule, don't bother setting up stuff with like a plane. Why why would you? If I was doing a low budget grimy horror movie, I wouldn't think, oh what I pretend everyone's on a plane for five minutes and then when it crashes we'll get them on the plane. So let's paint parts that look like a plane. It just would not be high on my list of priorities. This is why Tyler has never had a plane crash in any of the Steps movies. That's true. Makes sense. But he considered it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if somebody humped the stairs on a American Emirates flight oh, as those, it was crashing, oh, that is that is how you end the Steps theatrical film. All those steps that just get wheeled up to planes. I hadn't thought that through. Oh, that's a good one. That's a, <laughs> that's how he gets taken out, humping the mobile steps. <laughs> If if anybody wants to fund that movie, I'll just I'll I'll give you my link. Just fucking fund my movie, and I will make that steps on a plane. That's beautiful, yeah. But um, I I tend to agree more with with Dave on this one. Like, I I still didn't absolutely hate it, but I found it surprisingly dull. And and Parishen couldn't like do anything with the the material like the gag has been overdone at least by the last movie and i'm sure dave's thinking it was overdone by the first movie but for for shen's appearances it it was done by then like even just get a whole new bunch of people um you know good for good for shen for getting getting the gig and doing yeah i mean he he had a steady gig for 10 years yeah but um, it it just doesn't just doesn't pay off, and what I was hoping would be a grand and gory finale to the series until they eventually make others was the worst of the lot. I, I just didn't like it. It's maybe maybe going to creep up to a Kevin Four. You know how generous I am. Edgy. Uh, Hey, there's no more of them for now. Oh, thank God. I like my nipples are hard. I am so excited. (laughs) Um, I'll go on to Dave's choice. Dead End from 2003. It is Christmas Eve, and Frank Harrington is driving his family in a car through strangely quiet roads on the way to a family gathering. Uh, his wife is played by Lynn Shea. Uh, kids played by Mick Kane and Alexandra Holden. And uh, 
yeah, things soon get quite um, bizarre and you're wondering if they will ever reach their destination. So I, I like that end. I think it's, um, I know, I know it can be easy to say, say this about certain horror movies, but this is probably a fun little horror movie that feels most like an extended Twilight Zone episode. Um, it's, it's quite simple. It's all about atmosphere. The the bickering between the cast members is uh, that's a lot of fun, and it has an ending that was. Is is it just me or was this kind of? I'm not going to spoil it for, but it was kind of in vogue. At, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it <laughs> so was. Early two thousands. This this happened a lot. Um, but yeah, this is. Um, I don't know. It's like. If you break it down to the various elements, it's not like technically it doesn't seem to be a great movie, like a great movie. I think because it's uh, it starts to go bonkers so quickly, and then I think most people would know where it's going. But there are that many just different enjoyable parts. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to reel off highlights, but people who see this will know, particularly Lynn Shea's quite amazing moments in the second half. She uh, steals quite a few scenes, and she is working alongside Ray Wise, being in peak Ray Wise form, so that's saying something. But it is, um, it's sort of dragged down by the atmosphere it creates as well and the madness, uh, particularly. Look, I know if I'm on a road trip with Tyler and we get in trouble on a dark road and we're panicking, I know he's finding a tree and a magazine to crack one off while we're waiting, but that's not normal behaviour. We've just had a fright. So things like that, when the teenage son goes away and gets horny, um, other than being in that situation with Tyler, I wouldn't believe it. So... It has a little bit too much um, silliness and doesn't help you suspend your disbelief as it starts to build. But as as the atmosphere gets laid on thicker and thicker, it's just a really good, quite creepy and bizarre time. And if I remember right, it's only about uh, just under 90 minutes, about 85 minutes or so and so doesn't overstate its welcome gets done gets gone it's good stuff I hadn't seen this in years and I uh, totally forgot how good it actually was Uh, Ray Wise and Lynn Shea are excellent in this Uh, even though even though hearing uh, Ray Wise shout the name Laura gave me like massive Twin Peaks PTSD from that month long fucking special we did. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like I, I had to shut the movie off just for a little bit, just because I just remembered that we covered Twin Peaks for a month and that's all we watched. But um, not saying I don't like Twin Peaks. It's just a month was a little much. Uh, 
I love the family circle in this movie and how every single member of the family has their own little character beats. The tone is all over the place, but I think it really works for the vibe they're going for here. It's like a dysfunctional family drama one second, then it's like this pitch black dark comedy, then it switches gears and goes straight into horror. It's a really solid script, too. It almost feels like this warped 90-minute Twilight Zone episode or something. It's clever. It's well made. The cast is really good. The son isn't quite as good as the parents or Alexander Holden, but it's still a pretty solid performance overall. And I know the ending has always been super divisive. I remember when this came out and it was divisive then. It's divisive now, but I I actually really liked it. Um, it just it makes the perf it makes it's the perfect horror movie to watch around Christmas time. It's not heavy on the themes of Christmas, but it's there. It it's a really good film though. Uh, these directors really didn't do much after this. I looked them up and I'm like, I think one made one other thing after this, which is a shame because they're crazy talented. And this movie is this movie is really solid. Oh, I will I will say to you because I forgot earlier. Uh, one of them, Jean Baptiste Andrea, he wrote. I I quite enjoyed a little uh, mid two thousands film called Hellphone. Like it's not great, yeah. but it's kind of a fun TV horror. Obviously, based around a mobile phone. Yeah, and his uh, other movie, Big Nothing. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You'd like that one. It's, uh, is that the one with Is that the one with David Schwimmer? Yeah, David Schwimmer and um. Oh, and uh, Simon, Simon Pegg. Pegg. Yeah, I think I oh, did shit, I see that, did that some some time ago, but uh, I can't remember much about it. I, I mean, have seen it too. I don't really remember yeah. a lot of it, but I didn't I mean, know he did that. Yeah, it's it's him. It's not great, but it's you know it's up your alley. All I remember about that is, did they make a Matrix gag in that about yeah, red color blue? They, yeah, yeah, they, they <laughs> did. They did. <laughs> the only it's, thing I remember. It's it's one of those movies that's got like a lot of really nice bits, but it doesn't come together entirely. But it is right up, right up uh, Tyler's alley. No, that was me. Oh well, that was you then. Then it's my turn. Yep. Uh, I like Dead End. I now I also hadn't seen it in a while, but it's uh, besides this. I I have one note that says, uh, "Man, Mark Kane is terrible. He is Richard is Victor Crowley levels of unfunny." Uh, because that's true. He is terrible. <laughs> he is Victor Crowley levels of like I don't know what movie he's in, but like they have him play it totally differently from everyone else and the fact that the actor is like he's mid to late 20s at least if not 30 but he's playing it like he's six or, or 12 it's a weird fucking movie man but once he's gone and even a little bit before then it's it's a hummer uh not a hummer i mean i wish it was a hummer but it's not a hummer it's a it's a solid one. Uh, Ray Wise, Lynn Shay, and Alexandra Holden together are really good. They they rock it pretty hard with uh, the script, and they're playing off each other. Are are really solid. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it like it's not edge of your seat horror. Oh my god! But. It's a fun little Twilight Zone kind of story. 
Uh, I don't have as much to say about this. It's one I've seen before uh, during a challenge run that I enjoyed. And I was like, hey, you can't go wrong with Ray Wise and Lynn Shea. And I didn't. Yay me. Uh, and there's there's some okay makeup effects. There's nothing too gory, but a couple corpses that look good. Uh, Amber Smith as the woman in white is gorgeous. Uh, you know, the, the the whole cast, except for uh, Mark Kane as Richard, is is decent. Uh, I just I don't like I don't know what movie they were telling him to act in, but. It was not the same one as everybody else. And it's nice to see that kind of, uh, that old style Jeep Grand Cherokee. Man, I love those. I miss those. That's back when Jeep could actually make vehicles still. Do you think now that, uh, now that the old guard has retired, Mick Kane can actually change his name to Michael Kane and just pretend he's been in loads more awesome yeah, movies? I, I hope he does. <laughs> I hope that is exactly what he's doing as we speak. I guess that leaves me with uh, The Hills Have Eyes. The uh, remake, er, I'm sorry, Alexandre Aja's remake of Wes Craven's 1977 film of the same name stars Aaron Sanford, Kathleen Quinlan, Vanessa Shaw, and Ted Levine. When a family uh, car is waylaid in a trap, they soon find themselves set upon by radioactive nuclear mutants. And a family will do anything to survive. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought I'd seen this one, but I hadn't. I'd seen the sequel. So, uh... I, you know what? I'm going to spoil it right now. This was my favorite watch this week. This nice. movie is... It's way better than its namesake. Wes Craven's film is not good. I said it. His Hills I Have Eyes 2 is, is even worse. But this one, uh, the cast is mostly pretty strong, especially um, Aaron Sanford and uh, Ted Levine. Yeah, they They kind of waste some of like Billy Drago's wasted and they really should give the mutants a bit more, but you know, Kathleen Quinlan's great in her few little scenes. Um, uh, the, the other sisters played by Vanessa Shaw. She's solid. Um, Emily DeRaven's fine. Dan bird kind of sucks, but so does his character. So, you know, I'm sure he's doing the best he can with it. But the makeup solid, uh, the whole stuff with uh, brother-in-law Doug is really, really solid. It's well shot. It's well paced. I almost wish that there was more of that and we didn't go back to the other family members because their stuff kind of sucks and feels like filler. It's just it's like it's just goofy. Uh, give me the guy wandering a uh, nuclear ghost town with a dog and a baseball bat <laughs> fighting cannibalistic mutant hybrids. <coughs> That's what I want. That's why I want a Fallout TV show. I want a guy with a baseball bat or a woman. It can be a woman. 
I'm not, you know, I'm not gender biased. I want a person with a baseball bat and a dog beating up mutants in the desert. I Is that too much to ask? Why is this not a whole subgenre of films in and of itself? But it's good. Um, uh, Ezra Bur- Buzzington's plays Goggle, and he doesn't get much to do. I don't think we ever actually see him on screen. Uh, Desmond Askew's Big Brain is an awesome makeup. Uh, Pluto is a solid villain. It's it's not bad. It is a decent little monster flick. And it's a shame that they don't, you know, do more of the monsters and the creepy crazy. Instead, they, they insist on going back to the most underwhelming subplot. And it's probably the most underwhelming subplot in any movie we've watched this month. And I, yeah, I say that. Well, not including the hatchet films, but it's like two kids in a camper doing nothing until they're chased by a man who's in his 70s with a fake beard. That's not. It just so undercuts everything else, but everything else is solid. The opening third with uh, Ted Levine, he's fucking great. His scene in the gas station is some good tension, some nice, you know, it's just it's a shame that that doesn't pay off better. Uh, the the first attack on the camper is a solid scene. It's it's so close to being like it it is a remake that's better than the original, but it doesn't quite totally stick the landing, and that's a shame. But it comes close, and it's a good one. And this is probably my favorite first time watch this month. Nice. I think this is a remake that, uh, for me, is on a par with the original in different ways. I still really like the original. Um, I think it's it still has a, a power and a, a sort of rawness to it that feels better because it comes on before Craven redid the same theme about a dozen more times or so. Wait, I'm sorry. How is that not the same theme as the the last house on the left? No, it is, but I'm saying before he did it about a dozen more times. Oh, I'm sorry. I so misunderstood. I thought, okay, my bad. I'm sorry. No, no. Last house on the left and this, you know, it's all, you know, the the thin veil between civility and savagery and let's get booby traps going, uh, which... the setting helps it feel different enough from Last House on the Left and there's more polish to it. I just think it, it holds up as a really strong, great film. Um and as I said, I didn't I didn't know at that point when I'd first seen it that Craven was doing that numerous other times to its filmography. But this is like this is about as good a remake as you could hope to hope to have for such a, a powerful film. I put this remake on a par with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which I, I really love. And um, that one falls just below the original. This is on a par with it. I think it, it's bizarre in that it hits so many of the, the same beats and has so much going through it. So the, the blood running through its veins is exactly the same. But the end result, 
still feels different enough. It doesn't feel like you're just watching a shot for shot remake. Um, really, really good. The cast help a lot with that. Uh, I agree about, uh, you know, I really like Ted Levine and Kathleen Quinlan. And I think, uh, you know, Emily DeRaven and uh, Vanessa Shaw are good. I didn't mind uh, Dan Bird. He played, Bobby was the, the youngest kid, wasn't he? Well, not the baby, but. Well, he's a, yes. Sort of a yeah, teen but boy, isn't he's he? He's still, you know. He's, <laughs> yes, he was a teen boy. Teen, teen boy. Uh, it's, I think it's it's a bit odd in a way that he has to, you know, he, he's just stuck with that role, finding signs of uh, something else not being quite right before it all kicks off. So he's hampered a bit by that, but he's, he's pretty good. But yeah, Aaron Stanford as Doug uh, really goes through, like it's, it's quite a convincing uh transformation as well that his character goes through i think uh, step by step every every turn along the way it's um it's believable for for what you're seeing him be put through and all of the the mutants are good robert joy is the the most recognizable i would say um until billy drago uh, pops up later but even then i think Drago's got a bit more makeup over him, so I I recognise Joy more instantly uh, than Drago, although I remembered that Drago was in it. Uh, Alexandra Asia has done a number of, of remakes and, and reworkings, and he's, he's a good director. Uh, this, this could still be yeah, this this might be his best work. There's a switchblade romance or high tension uh, is a film I really like, but that that sort of loses something after that first viewing. Uh, whereas the House of Eyes, I'd watched this a couple of times before, and watching it again this time for the podcast, it didn't get any easier to watch. And I mean that in a good way. It's a it's a nasty and uncomfortable film, and then it sort of yeah, it really knows when to ramp up the uh, the gore gags and the the more in theory satisfying violence when you're looking for uh, you know potential revenge being doled out in the third act. And that uh, there's there's a a burn gag, for want of a better word, that uh, that really plays out well in the in the first half, and it's it's really quite um, disturbing. And it, I I think it's all done real well. I can see people watching this and being put off by it or thinking it's too much. I think. Tonally, this never feels uh, as if it's um, as if it's being done in a in a titillating way. Um, I, for me, it doesn't feel as if it's um, mishandling things when it comes to 
remaking the material. I think when it is a more straightforward, entertaining, violent horror is in the finale when you're wanting, as I say, you're wanting to see that sort of payback doled out. I think for a lot of it, it's really uncomfortable viewing and it should be that way. It's supposed to be that way. But I, I know there'll be people who will just think it's um, gratuitous and too much. Um, but, yeah, that's that'll, that'll be people who will need to be warned away from this. Uh, when you watch two, Dave, um, I can't recall if that had... No, two sucks. <laughs> I remember quite liking two. No, two, two is but two. I, I, can't, fucking I can't remember if that just gets special, a bit sorry, it's sleazier. Special forces in the desert. You know, it's sleazier. Yeah. I, I think they get more rapey. Yeah, um, that, that could be uh, a problem with two. And it's it's just been a while since I've seen it. But two did get a Kevin Seven from me. That's, so, uh, that's fucked I, up. That's really, I might have really to, fucked up. I might have to revisit that at some point. I may I may dial it down. But yeah, this this is a, a great one. So I can tell that Tyler's already tasting the sweep. I think I do think it's a shame that Aja wasn't able to do his uh adaption of Tomy. Because he was he was on board to do a TV series version of Junji Ito's Tomi for uh, you remember Quibi, the hey give us fifteen minutes we'll give you a show streaming yeah, service that died in like a year didn't it Yeah oh no it didn't even last that long it died in like thirty minutes like it didn't even last the first month but he was he was gearing up to do that and I think that would have been interesting not in that format fifteen minutes is not going to work for anything but. I think he would have done a solid Tomy. It's a shame it it didn't survive. A lot of other Quibi stuff did to, you know, varying degrees of God, why God, why? But, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, they have, they, they've already done uh, Tomy movies, haven't they? We've watched one for the show. Yeah, we, we have, and they mostly uh, suck. All right. <laughs> the the Tomy adaptions are not, I mean, some of them are okay, but. Generally, they're not very good. I mean, some someone should someone should get a really good go at it because it's a it's a great concept. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to see Tommy be done well and with a with a solid budget. I mean, that's kind of that's part of the problem with the Japanese films is a lot of them are made on the cheap, and uh, it doesn't always, it doesn't always, like one or two of them are really good, but most of them are just. Like, I don't... Why? I might just start a campaign and get Karen Kusama doing a Tommy. So you know that? Oh. That'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, that's me, sorry. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes 2 opens with a woman giving birth and the mutant hitting said woman over the head with her newborn child. I like to. Um... <laughs> Anyways, I love Craven. Uh, I like the original Hills Have Eyes just fine. Best thing about that movie is Michael Berryman. But Aja's remake blows the original out of the fucking water just in terms of filmmaking and the sheer fucking brutality of it all. I love this movie. 
there was a small period of time in the mid 2000s where the MPAA just really didn't give a fuck and just let shit pass with an R rating. This, the devil's rejects, hostile. They just, they they didn't care in that little window. Um, That fucking RV scene is so mean spirited and so fucking bleak. I mean, the breastfeeding scene alone sends chills down my spine. It's amazing. The whole sequence just revels in brutality. The, Mutant makeup looks great. I love the makeup effects for Michael Bailey Smith and Robert Joy. Robert Joy is great in this. Um, really super menacing dude. Uh, the rest of the cast is really good. Ted Levine, Vanessa Shaw. I think Dan Bird is fine. He was really good in a uh, another show called Cougar Town with um, uh, Courtney Cox. But I've, I've always liked him. Uh, the family is super likable, too, which actually makes you care when horrible shit happens to them. And this family gets just put through the fucking ringer. It's brutal to watch. Uh, That revenge final act with Aaron Stanford is amazing. I love that final fight with him and Pluto in that nuclear fallout house. It's, it really is for me, one of the perfect horror remakes. It does what the original did, but still kind of does its own thing and just kind of, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful remake. Uh, Aja came straight, out of the gate and just made two movies in a row. I absolutely adore this in high tension. He kind of lost that momentum a bit with mirrors. I didn't hate mirrors. It's kind of there. Uh, I love piranha and horns though. Crawl was fun. I haven't seen oxygen or that movie with the dude from 50 shades of gray, but I, uh, I like his filmography for the most part, but the hills have eyes is his magnum opus. It's, it's fucking great. And it's Aja in top form. I just, I love this movie. It's awesome. All right, guys, it's time to pick one. Uh, annoyingly, it's the Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I can't. You go, Sweep King. You sweep. Right, can you tell me what the theme was? Oh, uh, Accidents. My, my guess accidents. is... Oh, f- Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's... was it pe- people that were in Twin Peaks? Is it people that were in Lost? Is it Laura Ortiz? Is it people that were part of KMB? I thought it's every movie. God damn it. And oh, that man, was those would be good. Yeah, because tra- that's all of them. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. I told you. I told you. Once I told you what it was, you'd be like, fuck. <laughs> it, yeah. it was the most simple one. Yeah, we we went much broader for most of it this this time around. Well, next week is uh, back to normal for the first time in five weeks with uh, uh, new pairs. So, Kevin and Tyler, what do you have for us? Go on, T. Would you like to go? Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah. Well... I'm just coming straight out of the gate in November with a very Tyler movie. I'm going with a movie that's about two drug-addicted prostitutes who fall in love. Hardcore from 2004. Wait, wait, wait. Is it hardcore one word or two? Just so I know. I think it's two. Awesome. Thanks. It's it's the sort of title that will immediately get me flagged on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> the poster is te- the, the poster is relatively tame, so you should be okay. 
That's right. I'm going in an opposite direction from Tyler. I think many people enjoy this film and I have a potential sweep on my hands and I've picked up the Blu-ray of Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Nice. Ooh, I don't think think we've done Jarmosh yet. I mean, all these years, I I don't think we've done any Jim Jarmosh. I don't think so. I've heard about this film for years and uh, I'd never seen it. And a lot of people have always said uh, very good things about it. So this was the excuse I needed. And it has a really nice Criterion release. I believe it's streaming on Criterion also. Well, it was, which means it'll also be on uh, HBO. We're on Instagram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. We're on Facebook, where I sometimes remember to post stuff on Wednesday. We have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, comment, and watch Kevin totally awesome videos weekly. And you can always email us at RaidersThePodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Be sure to check out Tyler on the... Uh, I'm sorry. What was, what was it? I'm I totally uh, brain farted. Sound tracker. Sound tracker. And uh, also, if you want some more horror stuff with Kevin, he did uh, several guest spots with Aaron Christensen on uh, Horror 101 on YouTube. Uh, so, so did several of our other friends. They're, they're all very smart horror fans. I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Yeah, we got enough on each other to wage a false scale war. If we could ever remember what we were fighting.